Thanks, Pastor Jim. Um, all right. Um, get this going. As he said, I'm Pastor Tanner, my wife, Courtney. Uh, we've been the directors at Shadow State Chi Alpha for eight years. We were on staff there for a couple years with Sean and Jody Bonzoff. Um, so we're uh, getting ready to start our 10th year um, on staff or as directors. So getting that tenure, I guess, um, as missionaries means absolutely nothing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, share just a little bit about what Chi Alpha is for those of you guys that don't know. Um, as Pastor Jim said, Chi Alpha is kind of the branch to the college ministry through the Assemblies of God. Uh, basically, they've decided that um, back in the 60s that our um, college campuses were a strategic missions field. Um, in the Assemblies of God, we have Bible colleges and stuff like that, but most of our youth students don't go to Bible college. They go to a secular university. And so Chi Alpha is the Assemblies of God um, means of, of reaching both those students who went to our youth groups, but at the same time, reaching the college campuses. And so um, what we do as missionaries really is a partnership with the local church. Uh, it's, it's with you guys. Um, our partnership is to ensure that when your guys' youth kids go to college at Stratton State College, that they have the opportunity to continue growing in their faith, while at the same time, you guys partner with us to help us reach the college campus for Christ. And so... Um, I might be just a little bit biased, but I really truly believe, and I don't just say this because I'm a college missionary and because I do college uh, missions, but I really do believe that our, our, college or, uh, our college campuses, our universities here in America, are the most strategic missions field in the world. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot going on on our college campuses, um, but when it comes down to it, 80% of our students, our youth group kids, 80% of our youth group kids will walk away from their faith when they get to the college university. And that's not to say that 80% of college university students are unchurched or do not believe in Jesus. That's saying that 80% of your guys' youth group kids who come weekly to your youth group will walk away from their faith in college. That number is astonishing and it's scary, but that's what Chi Alpha, that's what our job is, is to prevent those statistics and to help reverse those statistics. And at the same time, many students, like myself and like Pastor Jim, find Christ for the first time in college. And so that is also part of our job, is to reach the college campus. Um, and I'll get into a little bit later, but another reason why our college campuses are such a huge strategic missions field is because of the amount of international students who come from other countries, some of those countries are sensitive, to America to learn, and they have opportunities, and we have the freedom of sharing the gospel with them as international students. And I'll share a little bit about that later, but um, those of you guys that know me and have heard me speak before know that I can talk about statistics, I, I share the statistics, but really when it comes down to it, I like to share stories. I'm a story person, and I like to talk a lot, and so um, I apologize ahead of time, but um, you're not going to get to lunch at noon, just so you know. But... Uh, I'll start with the story of a student who typically we have this, this kind of uh, scenario that happens a lot on the college campus that mom and dad will get a hold of us and say, hey, so-and-so is coming to college there. Um, I want them to be a part of Chi Alpha. Can I get information? And a lot of times what happens when mom and dad are the only ones trying to get a hold of us and we don't get the opportunity to actually interact with the student, a lot of times what's going on is mom and dad want them to go to the Chi, Chi Alpha 
but the student doesn't necessarily want to. But we do our due diligence and give them all the information we possibly can. And we gave this mom, this mom called us and said, hey, um, I've got a student who he's kind of struggling with depression. He's really lonely. Um, he's just kind of, he's, he's struggling and I just want to get him involved in Chi Alpha. I was like, awesome. Actually, tonight we're, we're having a hangout night. And then here's schedule Tuesdays. Um, we do large group meetings. Thursdays we have small group meetings. And at any other time during the week, if he's available, I can meet him for a one-on-one -on -one meeting or we can get some guys to come and hang out. Whatever works for him, go ahead. Um, he can come to anything. And literally, it was like 45 minutes later, this kid shows up 15 minutes early before anybody else shows up. And uh, he just walks in, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm here. And I was like, wow, so apparently this works sometimes. Um, this kid eventually goes on to becoming one of our small group leaders. He stops struggling with depression, he stops struggling with loneliness. He, uh, he later would tell me that um, if it wasn't for Chi Alpha, he would have dropped out or considered going into all online school because he was just struggling and he just wasn't feeling accepted. He was just really struggling on the campus. But instead, he found Chi Alpha and he's found what he considers his family. And now, for the first time ever, um, we are actually bringing on this student full time with us. He's raising his budget currently as well, the same way we raise a budget so that he can be full time on staff with us. Starting literally as soon as he gets his budget raised, he will be full-time with us in Chi Alpha. And so now we'll have uh, a lackey that can do all of our hard work for us. Um, I mean, uh, another staff member that can help us reach the campus. But uh, we're really looking forward to having this student on staff with us. And we have another story of a student who came to Shadron because there was a Chi Alpha on the college campus. This is a student whose parents are Assemblies of God pastors and she didn't want to pay the high cost of going to Bible college for a secular degree. And so she came to Shadron because it was, a, excuse me, because it was affordable and because there was a Chi Alpha there. And now this student um, is one of our small group leaders. She's been a very key piece in our ministry the last couple years, especially this last year through COVID. Um, she has been a, a foundational piece of our ministry. And then we have students who... Um, come to Chi Alpha because they literally, and I have a story of a student who came to Chi Alpha because he literally was giving God one more shot. And if God didn't show up in his life, he was going to take his own life. And he shows up to Chi Alpha and through a series of awesome God-ordained events, he gets saved. And this student also becomes a small group leader and was a key pivotal part of our ministry for many years. And so as you can begin to see, there's many different scenarios, there's many different kinds of students who come to our ministry. Sometimes there are students who were completely unchurched and they're at their wits end and they don't know what to do and so they're just looking for God. Um, we had one student who came to Chi Alpha because we had a sign on the, a billboard that just said Chi Alpha Campus Ministries, here's the time we meet. And she walked by it and she was like, you know what, I'm kind of struggling in life. I could use God. And she started coming to Chi Alpha. And so we have students from all different walks of faith um, different places in their lives and different scenarios um, that come through our Chi Alpha. We really aren't just reaching current Christians. We're reaching the lost of the college campus, but at the same time, we are also a foundational piece in many Christians who come to Chi Alpha, come to college, and allowing their faith to continue to grow in leadership. And so, um, another big area of our ministry, and I shared just briefly about it, is our international students. Um, there's the story of an international student who we met at an international outreach uh, event. Um, we have, um, hmm? 
yeah, at the start of this last year. Um, the president of the International Club is also um, uh, on the, I think she's the treasurer for Chi Alpha as well. And so um, we partnered with the International Student Ministry, and we just went and loved the, the international students, helped them set up, tear down their event, and then just handed out water bottles with an event. And I made a connection with one of the international students, and through that connection, he now has been coming faithfully to Chi Alpha. Every single time we do anything, he's there. And uh, because of COVID, he wasn't able to go home this last summer, and he now is hanging out with our Chi Alpha students 24-7. He's with our Chi Alpha students all the time. And so um, our international students are, are a major part of our ministry. Um, in fact, this last year, I would say about half of our total students were international students. Um, we love our international students. And so to give you an idea briefly of, of the, the outreach to international students, I want to share with you guys a list. I've updated this list to include a few students from this last year. But um, just in Courtney and I's tenure of doing Chi Alpha at Shiner State College, we've had the chance to minister to students from Nigeria, the Democratic, Democratic, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Nepal, Ghana, Morocco, Pakistan, Israel, Mexico, Jamaica, Ukraine, Polynesian Islands, China, Japan, Thailand, Brazil, Burma, Russia, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, and India. These are students who we've had direct conversations with, direct opportunities to minister to them and share the gospel with them. These are students who are coming from all over the world. As you heard on this list, there's sensitive countries. Countries where if we send a missionary to there, they have to be very discreet about their job listing. They can't say they're even missionaries. They have to list themselves as business uh, entrepreneurs, whatever it looks like, because they can't share the gospel openly. Um, there's countries on this list that if you were to become a Christian in that country, you would be stoned. They would attempt to kill you. In fact, we've had students who, when they've gone back home, They've walked away from their faith of, of uh, Islam, and when they go back home, they've been attacked and violently beaten um, in an attempt to kill them before. And so these are students who, um, they would never have had that opportunity, or, or it would have been very, very difficult for them to have the opportunity to hear about the gospel and hear about Jesus. But they come to the United States, they come to the United States searching for what we call the American experience. And that American experience for them is oftentimes to step foot in an American home, to um, have an opportunity to go to an American church to see what the American church looks like, um, and to befriend American students. But statistically, um, I think it's 75% of international students when they come to America will never step foot in an American home. And so what we try to do, and one of our goals, and our goal for every year is to get an opportunity to meet every single solitary international student and to invite them to an opportunity to experience the American culture. Um, we, we invite them over to our house, share food with them. Um, I what I like to do is I like to invite the international students over. I buy all the ingredients so that they can, if they are cooks, can cook their favorite like native home dish. And then I then in turn around um, cook them my favorite American dish. And as a true Nebraskan, it's steak and potatoes. And, uh, and teach them that steak doesn't have to be well done. There we go. 
Now I'm preaching. But that's kind of a, a brief glimpse of what we do with Chi Alpha. Um, as missionaries, we raise a budget so that we can be on campus full time and so we can be with students all of the time. And we are with students a lot. Um, you know, we've even had students live in our basement before. We love college kids and we love spending time with college kids. Uh, to give you guys kind of an update, for those kind of for those of you guys who aren't familiar with Chi Alpha, those of you guys that are who've seen me speak, I want to give a little bit of update about how this last last year went with COVID. Um, with restrictions in place, we weren't able to have our large group meetings on campus, and so we were actually only able to have two large group meetings on campus due to restrictions and due to safety protocols. Um, however, we were able to, able to have um, small groups, discipleship groups, and one-on-ones throughout the entire semester. And in fact, I really feel like forcing our students to go to the small groups instead of the large group and forcing them to have the one-on-ones actually kind of built our foundation of our ministry a little bit stronger than it has ever been. I really think that our foundation of our ministry, even though number-wise we're running really low because of COVID, um, this last year I really feel like our foundation is stronger than it's ever been. The students we have, the leaders we have are pivotal. And in fact, you know, like I just shared, we have a student who even in spite of the COVID year we just had, decided he wanted to come on full-time with us and raise a budget just like us. And so our foundation is, is phenomenal because of the forcing to go to the small groups and the discipleship and having those opportunities for discipleship. Um, and But what we did, in, instead of having the large group meetings, um, we took the Panhandle Public Health Department's recommendations or requirements into practice um, to ensure that we gathered safely, but we were able to have students in our home to have food, we shared a lot more meals with them. We had a lot more game nights and stuff like that in order to have interactions with each other that kind of mimicked the large group fellowship, you know, the opportunity to come together as a body to spend time with each other. And we did that thing or did those things safely. Um, at the start of the school year, we were getting ready to go for welcome week. Welcome week is for you guys in the church world. A lot of times you think of like pastors, their, their big go-to day when they're, um, the, the church is going to be the busiest is typically Easter. Well, um, our welcome week is like taking Easter and combining it with Christmas and combining them into one solid week of just chaos and stress and busyness. And uh, this last year, it was even more stressful because um, we sent out our events. We, we made sure we made our events very safe outside, make sure there was able to be socially distanced. Um, even one of our events, we were doing a karaoke night. We had multiple mics and we had one person whose literal job through the entire evening was disinfecting the mics, change, interchanging them and letting them rest to make sure that they got disinfected in time for the next person to use the microphone. And so we came up with, with very sound, uh, very foolproof events that we could do safely, but we reached out to the school and we didn't get anything back. And we kept reaching out to the school and we kept not getting anything back. And it became really frustrating because we were getting ready to go and we we're like, we have these events, we're ready to go but we're not hearing anything. Well, long story short, what ended up happening was the entire staff, and this has kind of just come out as, as what happened, was the entire staff that was in charge of Welcome Week events, the entire staff that was in charge of Welcome Week events either caught COVID or were in quarantine during Welcome Week. And so there was nobody there to respond to us in order to do events. Well, fortunately, uh, one of the things we push heavily in Chi Alpha is leadership, and so on the college campus, in the dorms, you have what are called RAs and RDs. RAs are students who are in charge of each hall, and then RDs are full-time paid staff who were in charge of the entire dorm. Um, 
every single RD on campus who has paid full time to be in charge of the dorm are former Chi Alpha students of ours. And so we were able to partner with the Residence Life and instead we gave Residence Life all of the credit. They got the credit for all of our events, um, but instead, or but at the same time, so they got credit for our events, but we were able to run them and advertise for Chi Alpha. And so we did all of our events in partnering with um, RLA and like I said, they got the credit, I don't care who has the credit, but we got to, to have our events and we got to do these things. Well, after the events got over with, we realized, uh, we were talking to students and we realized that there were literally no other events during Welcome Week. In a typical year, there's 50 different clubs who have at least something going on during Welcome Week. I would say there's about 10 that have something going on every single day like we do. And this last year, there wasn't a single solitary other club ministry, campus, nothing. There was zero things going on on the campus. And so after the fact, we found out because of the fact uh, we ran it through RLA, we were the only club on campus who were running Welcome Week events. That taught us two things. Um, the first thing it did was it helped us reach freshmen, and we were the only club who were able to reach freshmen very well. But even with that, COVID was still very minimal. Our impact, our reach was very minimal compared to a normal year. But the second thing it taught us was that there is a big, big need on our campus for community. And that it wasn't just COVID that shut it down. But we're talking to other campuses and other campuses still had events and still had things going on. The fact that our campus didn't fight for community. It didn't fight for the opportunity for students to be together. It didn't fight. Nobody else on our campus was fighting for community other than us. And so it taught us a lot about the Shatter State College and the lack of, of fight for community. And so from that point forward, we designed a lot of things about our ministry that will continue even in a, in a post-COVID world long into the future. Um, we, we started implementing things to give us more community time, to give opportunities for community, to give those, those environments that encourage community. Because at the end of the semester, the year was lonely for a lot of our students, our freshmen, and at the end of the year, we had students reaching out to us who got in touch with their pastor, and they were just like, man, I just, I, I've, I thought I could do this thing on my own this year, and I'm realizing that I need a community. Will you get me in touch with somebody? And their pastor would get in touch with them and be like, hey, we've got a student who's struggling. They don't have community. And we were able to provide that community. We just did so in a safe way. And we were able to fight, and what we, you know, our desire was to fight through, um, not fight against, Careful my wording. I, I wasn't fighting against the Panhandle Public Health District. We were fighting with the Panhandle Public Health District to still provide community for our students. And so, <clears throat> um, as I begin to transition into the message for today, uh, if you have any other questions about what we do with Chi Alpha, um, you know, I, I really am a firm believer that I still want to provide you guys with a message today, but. Um, we do a lot with Chi Alpha, so much that I just simply, um, for the sake of your guys' time and, and my desire to not just talk for two hours, can't share with you everything we do. Um, but I would love if, if you guys would get in touch with us afterwards. We have business cards. We have information. If you want to, you can follow us. You can join our group on, on Facebook. It's called Tanner and Courtney Chi Alpha Campus Ministries or Shatter State Chi Alpha. Um, follow our group. You can add your email address to our newsletter link. We can send you periodic newsletters. Um, if you want to join our support team, we can get you in, uh, 
in touch with how to do that. Um, any questions, feel free to come up to us, talk to either my wife or I, and uh, we will share with you more information than we can share here from the pulpit. But one of the things, one of my biggest goals with our students, because I really do feel like in America, we're, pastors are talking and, and the, you know, the, the, the Pew Research is starting to recognize that America is transitioning very fast, um, very suddenly to a post-Christian nation. And so we as the church have to recognize that there's things that we've done in the past that aren't gonna, we're not going to be able to do in the future. There's things that, um, that we fight for that, that we need to continue fighting for. And church and our faith are, are going to begin to look different as our nation as a whole transitions to a post-Christian nation. One of the things that I feel like is a big fight for our college students and, and through Chi Alpha, one of the big fights that I have for our students is that they, tip, or that they constantly force themselves to get uncomfortable with their faith and get uncomfortable in their faith. Because when we get comfortable as a church, we get stagnant. If your church is really comfortable, things are running smooth, everything's great, and everybody just kind of fits into this routine and it gets comfortable, that's sad because that's now a dying church. You never want your church to become comfortable. You, as a Christian, never want to get so comfortable with your faith that you stop growing. Because growth as Christians comes in the uncomfortable. Reaching out to somebody new to share your faith isn't comfortable. You never know whether you're going to get rejected or whether or not they're going to hate you or whether or not they're going to freak out because you're sharing your doctrine with them. Those kinds of situations are uncomfortable. I mean, uh, if I'm being real honest with you, when I was in high school and up until uh, literally I got saved in college, I despised, I hated speaking in front of people. I was extremely uncomfortable for me, and I couldn't do it. Like, I would literally clam up, my mouth would go dry, I couldn't talk. But now through the uncomfortableness of God asking me to speak in front of people through Chi Alpha, now I've grown to love it. But I still challenge myself to get uncomfortable with my faith in other ways. It's just an example. So as I transition to our message, um, the first piece of scripture I have for us today is uh, Matthew 28. It says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A lot of people in Christianity view this as the greatest promise in the Bible. I'll read it again. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus talking. I have a problem with the mindset of this being the greatest problem in the Bible. And this is the point in my sermon where you start to get a little bit uncomfortable because I'm telling you something, you're looking at that, and I'm saying a lot of people view this as the greatest promise in the Bible, and I read it, and you're like, man, that sounds like an amazing promise. And then now I'm going to stand here and tell you that that is not a promise. Jesus wasn't promising that he would be with us to the end of the age. It's not a promise. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This isn't a promise. It's a statement. It's a fact. If it was a promise, he would say, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Or he would say, I promise to be with you always to the end of the age. Instead, he makes a statement. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's no attachment. There's no requirement. There's no, hey, if you read your Bible and spend time in prayer, I will be with you till the end of the age. 
There's no attachment to it. It is just Jesus making a factual statement, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. I've found myself sometimes struggling with this thought. I mean, even in my prayers sometimes, I'm asking Jesus, hey, God, would you bring your presence to me? Jesus, would you come to me? I can't feel your presence. Jesus, would you come into this room? Would you come into my life? Would you come here to be with us? Why would I need to ask for his presence to come to me if he's never left us? If he's never left me, if his presence is here, why would I need to pray those things? And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with you praying that way. For me, I just, for me, I like to think about it different. I feel like I need to think about this differently. Because Jesus is with me always. I don't need to feel him in order to know that he is here. Because how many of you guys know that feelings, human feelings, human emotion, our feelings often lie to us. Our feelings can be wrong. We live in a day and age where our feelings have practically become our gods. Every day there's somebody new that's getting canceled because they hurt somebody's feelings. We begin to ruin lives based off of feelings. But when I look back at my life and I look back through even just, man, not even the last 48 hours, the last 12 hours, my feelings have lied to me. Um, in fact, last night, I felt like Courtney was mad at me. I felt like my wife was mad at me because I forgot to do something. And no matter how hard she tried to tell me that she wasn't mad at me, my feelings were telling me that she was mad at me. And now that I have a little bit of distance and I can look back, I can see that a lot of the things that I was feeling last night were because I had only gotten four hours of sleep Friday night before yesterday. I was just tired. And my feelings were off. Our feelings lie to us. We're tired. Feelings get all messed up. If you've been alone all day and you're an extrovert, your feelings are all jacked up. Vice versa, if you've been around people all day and you're an introvert, your feelings are all jacked up. You could be sitting here listening to a pastor speak and all you can think about are tacos because you're hungry and your feelings are going to get messed up. I heard of that's me over here. But when it comes down to it, Jesus, he doesn't lie. His statements aren't feeling-based. His presence isn't feeling-based. It can't be manipulated based off of our circumstances we can't be feeling hungry and all of a sudden Jesus leaves our presence. We can't get just a few hours of sleep and all of a sudden Jesus is like, ah, you didn't get the right amount of sleep last night, so I'm, I'm out. You've got to ask for me to come back. Jesus, he doesn't lie to us. His word, the word of God, doesn't change based off of our mood, our hunger levels, whatever. Jesus doesn't lie and he doesn't fail Right here, right now, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're with us. Perhaps you woke up today. Maybe it was today, maybe it was this week, maybe it's been the last month, maybe the last year has been this way, maybe it's been a couple years. And you're sitting here and you're saying to me, but Tanner, I don't feel Jesus' presence. I just don't tangibly feel that he's with me. I feel alone, I feel lost, I feel confused. I feel like he's mad at me, and he just doesn't want to be with me. I feel like maybe I did something wrong, and he's just left, left me alone. Life's just been too hard. It's been too hard 
for you to tell me that Jesus is with me. I've been there. Perhaps I've even been there more often than you would think would be fitting for a pastor. Pastor Jim shares, our college campuses are a tough place. I've been in situations and seasons where it feels like Jesus is gone. But we have to get past that feeling. We have to move past our feeling of whether or not God is with us, and we have to move into knowing he is with us, knowing he is for us. That knowledge is powerful, and we need to make that a foundation of our faith. There's no uncertainty. There's no strings attached. Jesus is faithful. Because this is one of the few certainties we have in Christianity. One of the few certainties that we have in life is that Christ is with us. And I don't want to waste another second being uncertain of whether or not Jesus is with me, whether his presence is here. Because again, we might not ever have that permanent feeling like he's with us. But we want that permanent feeling. We want that feeling like Jesus is with us. And you guys know what that feeling feels like. If you're a Christian, you've felt it before. You've felt like Jesus' presence was in the room. We want that. But even that feeling, even when we feel that feeling, even when you're in service and you feel the Holy Spirit moving, you feel like, man, this place is just rocking today. Someone's going to get saved. This is going to be amazing. Even when we have that feeling, we still have to partner that feeling with trust and faith that knows his presence is with us. Because if all we base things off of are a feeling, then as soon as that feeling disappears, we now live in doubt. We live in uncertainty. We live in unsureness of what God is doing. We as Christians have the honor of always having the presence of God with us. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means what? God with us. Jesus' name, God with us. This is one thing that is easy to say but hard to know sometimes. It's hard to make a part of our foundation. And time and time again, humans tend to act on our feelings more than we act on our knowledge. Because just last night, I, I knew Courtney wouldn't get mad at me over something so dumb, but my feelings were telling me she was upset. So why is this so important? Why have I repeated this like 15 times in the last five minutes? Because it's important, we need to move, we need to agree on this, we need to, to understand this before we can transition into the next part of my sermon. Because what it comes down to is at some point within your walk with God, you're going to get to a dry point. It's going to happen. A point where God feels so distant. I like to call them wilderness seasons. At some point in your faith, whether it's today, whether you're going through it right now, maybe you just came out of a season like that, maybe you're getting ready to go into a season like that, there's seasons where we have what I like to call wilderness seasons, seasons where God just feels distant. This is a season in which everything seems like it's going wrong, and it feels like Jesus is far away. It feels like God isn't listening. It feels like he's not there. 
It's the embodiment of the footprints poem. You guys know the footprints poem? The footprints in the sand? Why at the hardest time in life is there only one set of footprints? Because the sand people walk single file to hide their numbers. <laughs> this is a Star Wars, subtle Star Wars reference. I'm a nerd. I apologize for that. Let's look at 1 Peter 1. Starting in verse 6, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come, these trials have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. If God really loves us, if Jesus really loves us, we will be put through a refining fire. Do you guys know what a refining fire is? When you put gold into a refining fire, it heats it up, and the impurities within the gold become very present. They rise to the top, and they can be scooped out. Scripture talks a lot about the fact that God is refining us. These wilderness seasons, these hardships, sometimes these situations, these seasons where it feels like God is distant, do more to reveal the impurities in our life than the seasons where God is close, where God feels right next to us. I mean, I've had wilderness seasons that lasted years. And when I came out of that wilderness season and I looked back, I recognized, and I can look back at those times now and see that those wilderness seasons where it felt like God was distant, he wasn't. And that season where it felt like God was distant, it felt like Jesus was distant, in fact, was the season in which I grew the most in my faith where I maybe started to recognize some sin in my life, where I started recognizing maybe I was having some tendencies with anger issues or with trust issues or my prayer life wasn't very solid. Those impurities in my life became, became to, or, or came to the surface and through that wilderness season, I was able to grow through that. Jesus himself went through a wilderness season. Now, Jesus' wilderness season was a literal wilderness season, which is where I get the name wilderness season. But Jesus' wilderness season was he literally went out into the wilderness for 40 days and nights, and he was allowed, God allowed him to be tempted by the enemy. So if Jesus himself can literally and needs to go through a wilderness season, what does that show us? Because what Jesus went through was intentional. Jesus didn't just go through a wilderness season because, hey, the Son of God needed to go through a wilderness season. It was so that he could be tempted the same way we are tempted. He could go through seasons like we go through seasons. So if Jesus went through it, there was a good reason. And if you read in Matthew 4, the first line says, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit didn't abandon Jesus to the wilderness. He led him into the wilderness. Our wilderness seasons are led by the Holy Spirit. And though times have changed and you're not literally going to go out to the wilderness for 40 days, but if that's your thing, go for it. The Holy Spirit leads us into wilderness seasons. And those wilderness seasons can be days, months, sometimes even years. And it's a refining process so that we can grow. Now sometimes I do want to put a 
a subtle note that sometimes we find ourselves in wilderness seasons because of habitual sin in our lives. And if you have a habitual sin and you know you have a habitual sin, talk to Pastor Jim and let's work through your habitual sin so we can get you out of that wilderness season. But sometimes our wilderness seasons come to prepare us for the next step in our spiritual life. What was the, I just, it just came to my mind, uh, Elisa, is it Elisa Sholey? Alicia Sholey, she likes to say, um, graduating to the next level of mediocrity. Because we're constantly striving, we constantly need to be striving as Christians to the next level. Because our faith to us, it'll always feel mediocre. And so the wilderness seasons help us to graduate from one level of mediocrity to the next. Constantly progressing in our faith with Jesus. Because a lot of times, spiritual promotions come after wilderness seasons. I found that to be true for my life. The vast majority of spiritual promotions have come after wilderness seasons. And I just recently got nominated as the, the under 40 director or leader, or whatever the state calls it, the under 40 leader for the state of Nebraska, Assemblies of God. And I can tell you that the two years prior to that were my longest, hardest wilderness season that I can really remember. The promotion came after the wilderness seasons. God puts us through this process because he's more concerned with us finishing well than starting well. He's more concerned with us finishing well than maintaining well. He wants us to be constantly growing in our faith and in our relationship with him. And if we don't go through the process, we won't have the character to handle the promotion. Because if we receive the promotion, the lack of character that the wilderness season grows in us will destroy us. If we look at the refining process within Scripture, we can see many examples, and I'm not going to go into them. I'm going to cut a little bit out of my sermon for your guys' sake, but we look at the refining process that Joseph had to go through. If Joseph stepped into the promise before the refining process, it would have destroyed him. If David stepped into being king without having gone through the wilderness season, he would have been a horrible king. But the refining process is why he was the, the king that he was. And there's so many great examples within Scripture of, of, of phenomenal leaders who it lays out very clearly had to go through wilderness seasons. Joseph's wilderness season was years, and it was horrible, and it was a process. But because of that, when it came time for him to be in his position of power, he was able to lead the way that God wanted him to lead. God was working in them. He's working in you. He's working in us. And if you are going through a wilderness season, and maybe this is resonating really well with you right now, if this is resonating with you, or it has resonated with you, if that's not the case, then, and hopefully someday, and I say this, I really do mean this, I hope that hopefully someday you will go through a wilderness season. Because it is that important for our growth. But when you are going through a wilderness season, God didn't put you on a shelf. He didn't abandon you. He's not leaving you behind. He is with you. And it is a factual statement. Not even just a promise. It is just a statement. It is a fact. So when you have gold and you purify it, you put it through the refining process, when you have pure gold in your hand, it becomes soft. It's a softness. Job said when God tries me after I go through the trial or as I, I like to call it the wilderness season 
When I go through the wilderness season, I shall come forth as gold. I shall be softer. I should be able, I should be able to love people better. I should be able to love God better. And I should be able to love myself better. But it is important that when you go through a wilderness season, you don't grow weary and antsy and you begin to blame your spouse, your kids, your mom, your dad, your siblings, or blaming your pastor for your wilderness season. If you're going through a wilderness season, it is because of you and God. We have to rest in knowing that God is with us in order to view our wilderness seasons in a healthy way. And instead of blaming others, instead of blaming others, we seek God and His righteousness, we seek after Christ, and we then rest and rejoice in knowing that in spite of our feelings, God is with us. Holy Spirit is with you. That God is molding you. He cares enough about you to take the time to mold you into a better version of yourself. That He loves you enough that He's going to weave you into the man or woman that you need to become regardless of what your feelings are telling you. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Philippians 4.4 4 is, I mean, just Philippians in general is my favorite book of the Bible. I love Philippians so much because the background behind this is Paul is writing this from prison. Paul's writing this letter to the Philippian church from prison, and the whole point of it is how we should address basically the wilderness seasons, the hardship in our lives. How do we, how do we approach hardship in knowing that God is good? And Paul, who is thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, is telling the Philippians church from that prison to rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. In scripture, when they repeat things, that's how they underline and bold things. They repeat it. So Paul is saying, bold, capital letters, underlined, screaming, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. But sometimes we get this attitude like, I've been doing good. I've been reading my Bible. I've been spending time with God in prayer every day. I'm doing everything right, and it still feels like God is distant. And we begin to get mad at God because how dare he not be helping me feel like he's with me. Because I've been doing all this stuff right. Like it's a, like a, a checklist that you got to do in order for God to feel present. That's not the way it works. Paul's literally laying the foundations of the, of the church at this point in time. He's literally laying the foundations of what we now enjoy today, thousands of years ago. But he is thrown in jail for laying those foundations of the church. And he had to endure, endure jail a few different times. And in spite of all that, he's telling the Philippians church, he's reminding others, even while he is in prison, and it wasn't like our kind of jails, like this was like rough jails. From prison, he's reminding others 
to rejoice in the Lord. And so when you're going through your wilderness season, when you're going through hardships, when you're going through hard times, heed Philippians, heed his word, hear, heed what Paul says, and rejoice in the Lord instead. Because what it comes down to it is, we need to rest in knowing. This needs to be a foundation of our faith in Jesus. We need to rest in knowing that God loves us. He is near. And he is with us. Despite what we're going through. There's no conditions. There's no flaws. There's no exceptions. You didn't screw up so bad that God is no longer near to you. You weren't so distant from God that all of a sudden he left, gave up on you. He's not trying to make an example out of you. He loves you and he's with you. So again, whether you're going into, in the middle of, or coming out of a wilderness season this last year for if you guys are extroverts, this last year was a wilderness season because we spent a lot of time alone and we don't know how to deal with ourselves alone as extroverts. But coming out of the wilderness season, our response, our, our, our default, what we should go back to even when we feel like God is distant is to rejoice in knowing because of what Jesus has told us, what Jesus has made as a statement he is with us. Rejoice in that. Because Jesus is with us. I thank you guys for letting Courtney and I come and share with you guys today. I'm going to go ahead and give it over back to Pastor Jim. Appreciate that. It's interesting, um, this morning, the, uh, as we were uh, worshiping and praying before the service around 7.30, 8.30, um, the one thing that God was impressing on me was God was saying, I, I, I need to refine you. So that really fits perfectly with what God is speaking to us in prayer this morning. And you know, that sounds like a scary thing, refining, because it does involve pain and suffering. Peter said, if for a little while you suffer, it's going to yield incredible results. It's because of the stuff that God's got to get out of us so that he can use us and so that we can be free. It's, you know, I hate being all locked up. I like being able to be free to move. And God wants to make us free. And that means we're going to have to... Jesus embraced the cross for us. And he calls us each to embrace a cross by learning to walk in his spirit, learning to confess and identify and confess our sin, learning to let God deal with issues in our lives, attachments that are unclean, idols in our lives where we put things ahead of God. And when he does that, I tell you, the quality of our life, the richness and the freedom we experience is so worth it. And the intimacy with him is the best thing. So I just wanted to point out one other thing before I mention something. Um, did you guys see Stephanie's T-shirt? That's the song we sang first this morning. Thank you for wearing that. I had no idea she was going to wear the t-shirt. Raise a hallelujah. 
Isn't that awesome? Um, we don't take offerings um, since COVID started. We have the wooden box on the wall right here, and we have a box as you come in, a steel box on the door. There's envelopes under your chairs. I encourage you guys to be faithful in your tithes and offerings. It's been a bit of a tough summer financially for us as a church, and uh, so I just encourage you to be faithful to God in that area. And also to uh, get a card from Tanner and Courtney, consider adding them, um, you know, as a, a monthly amount to that you would just sign up to be part of their support team because I'll tell you what, what he said is so true. College Chi Alpha Ministry is probably one of the most strategic missionary endeavors that there is because we have all these students come from all over the world. And these are not just average students in their nation. They're usually the kids of the leadership of their nations. And so if those kids come to our country where they cannot hear the gospel in their country because it's shut down, but if they come to our country and they meet Jesus and they go back and they begin to share their faith and their family comes to the Lord, their government starts to change. And that's what's happening in Iran. There's an amazing revival going on in the nation of Iran because of believers coming back, sharing their faith, and a revival. They caught on fire. It's just an amazing thing happening there. And you can just look on YouTube under Iran, and, Iran and, and Christianity, and you can see some of the things happening there. A lot of miracles and things going on. So I want to close in prayer and, um, and, and encourage you guys to be faithful in your giving as you go out. God, thank you so much for the word of the Lord that we got today. Help us to receive and hold on to this, um, what Tanner spoke about, getting past feeling Christianity. That's the lowest level. That's kindergarten. Sure, we got to start there, but we can't stay there. Help us, Lord, to learn to walk by faith and learn to become your followers. Learn to be those who take up our own cross and follow you. Embrace the refining. Embrace the fire. The fire is not going to kill us. Lord, when Daniel and his, or Daniel's three friends, the, the Hebrew children, we call that, Lord, were in the fire, they didn't even have the smell on, of smoke on them when they came out of that fire because the Son of God, the Son of Man, was in the fire with them. And Lord, whatever fire we go through it may seem difficult for a season, Lord, but it will yield amazing results because we will be transformed and there will not even be a smell of smoke on us. So, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We, I ask you to bless your people as they are faithful in their giving and supporting this ministry and uh, just your faithfulness to this church. And we thank you for what you're doing today. Father, if there's anybody here this morning that has never surrendered to you and said, Jesus, I want you to be my king. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I pray that today they would do that, Lord, and, and as that there will be opportunity for people to come up and pray at the front with those that will pray for them. God, I just pray if there's anybody here today that's never really surrendered to you, because it's all about relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about so much what we believe as who we know and who we follow. We just thank you for this day, and Lord, we give you praise as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.